Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. In this afternoon's show, I will be discussing the divine imperative. That is, I will be discussing the intense life that has to do with following Jesus. Please understand that Jesus does not fit his purposes to me. And this is what Soren Kierkegaard called the halt. It is at this point that many stop at formal religion that one brother called cheap grace. Cheap grace. That does not that calls for little more than attendance and nothing else. On the other hand, there is costly grace that consumes selfishness, that takes over and destroys narcissistic self-interest. For in following Jesus, one must understand that the ego must be crucified. Galatians 2.20, Paul states, I am crucified with Christ. So the word there, the pronoun I is ego. I am present tense. I am crucified with Christ. So co-crucifixion. And then Paul goes on and he states, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me, and the night, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself, Galatians 2.20. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 25. Luke 14.25, <clears throat> and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost? whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. 
Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to beat him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth ambassadors and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And so, this is why at the beginning of the show, I said this is the halt, or this is the term I borrowed from Soren Kierkegaard. Now, notice the conditions of discipleship. Notice the language of Jesus. In verse 26, he uses uh, what we call an absolute negation. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, in his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. This is a very, very powerful verse and one that bears careful contemplation, careful consideration. Because Jesus is calling for a complete and radical change of attitude. One cannot listen to the words of Jesus and use his words as an overlay to one's own self-interested thinking. Indeed, one must set aside or abrogate one's self-interests if one is to follow Jesus in an effective manner. Nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the teachings of Jesus, nowhere in the writings of the apostles do we find that there is an accepted level of spiritual mediocrity in Christ. That belief is derived from different Western theological traditions that want to have an armchair relationship with Jesus, but not one that is fully engaging in reality. When we go back to the words of Jesus, when we listen to Jesus' own words, there is something radical that demands a decision. One must negate the one in order to have the other. There is no gray area in Christ. There is only either or, classical, logical dualism. There is no both and in following Jesus. Indeed, if one wants to read about religious syncretism, read the Old Testament and read about what happened to the northern kingdom of Israel with this religious syncretism. It's joining with Baalism and the other indigenous religions and what happened to its people. There is a remarkable amount of archaeological evidence available about what happened to the northern kingdom. 
when it dared to believe that it could hold together a religious syncretism, that it could bow to Baalism as Lord and then have Yahweh and yet have Yahwism attached to it. It never worked. In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom was swept away for believing its lie. In 586 and in 597, we see what happened to the southern kingdom, taken over and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, because it too fell into, into that is began to believe in religious syncretism. What is God telling us? That this never works. This is not the teaching of the Old Testament. Yahweh in the in the Old Testament, we believe uh, the Bible teaches exclusive Yahwism. Period. God Himself said that He is a jealous God, and His glory He will not share with another. In the New Testament, we have the incarnation or the enfleshment of Yahweh in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see in his own words that there is to be no joining of any philosophical tradition or religio-philosophical tradition to what he had come to do. Jesus did not come to found a new religion. He came to bring salvation. Indeed, Jesus is the Logos. He is both the mind and the action of God in flesh. And so, notice verse 27, which reads of Luke 14, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Notice the syntax. Notice the way, notice the grammar. Notice the way the language is set up. And whosoever does not bear his cross and then come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And then in the parable of the tower, we have this very succinct and powerful truth. Hence, the the parable of the tower means this. Sit down. And see if you can afford to follow me. Sit down and see if you can afford to follow me. In the parable of the king, we have this reality. Sit down and see if you can afford to refuse my demands. The pulpit in this part of the 21st century, is weak and is afraid and is insufficient and lacks focus because it will not teach the Word of God. There are many pastors who no longer believe in Hades or hell. And of course, they do not believe in the lake of fire. They do not believe in final judgment. Many of them teach that the soul just requires a little adjusted therapy. 
and everything will be fine. Many so-called pastors do not believe in the second coming of Jesus. And they do not do so with any body of evidence. They reject the teaching of the second coming of Jesus merely on their person. They're arrogant proclamation. The focus is on what they say and what they think. It is a very base and empty argument to the man or argument to the person. It appeals to the individual without reason, without depth, without a body of evidence. And when I hear these speakers, I wait for their evidence. I want to see their scholarly depth in being so dismissive of this very visible and powerful teaching of the Word of God. And yet, no evidence is ever forthcoming. It is all and not what the Word of God teaches. Jesus said, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Build your life on the solid rock of Jesus. Paul writes that no other foundation can anyone lay than is Christ Jesus. Do not base your life on man. The average individual lives only 800,000 hours. Think about these men who teach us or who want individuals to believe that Jesus is not coming again. Coming again. They live only 800,000 hours. Jesus arose again from the grave, and he is still resurrected. Jesus is alive. Believe Jesus and have eternal life. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.